Hey, good evening. Welcome back to another week of Bible Study Fellowship. This week we're in the prophetic book of Habakkuk. Let me pray for us and we'll get started. Lord, thank you that you remind us of your plan, of your plan for not only justice, but also your plan for mercy. Uh, As we think of the state of our nation, the state of our hearts, the state of our lives. Lord, thank you that we don't have to only live in fear of your justice, but we can be reminded that you love your people. You have a plan to not only judge sin, but also restore uh, the nations to yourself through Jesus Christ, whose name we pray. Amen. Well, uh, outside of our house, we have a small deck that we use to get into our side door of our home. And it's made of cedar. It's on the north side of our home. And during the, the, the winter time and during the summertime, it just doesn't get very much sun. And so we have this, I don't know what it is. It's a mossy plant that seems to grow on the wood. And I decided that I was going to clean it off today. And so I got out a power washer and began to work on spraying off the deck it was sort of cool out today, and it was about 6 o'clock when I started. And uh, you know, I thought a quick clean would be enough. I thought, you know, there's probably about an hour of daylight left. And, you know, I'm, I'm wearing shorts and a T-shirt, and it's 50 degrees outside. But I'm not going to be outside very long. Uh, it's going to be just real quick. I'll zip in, get it done, and be over with. As I began to spray, it became apparent that whatever this mossy substance was, there was also a lot of dirt. And... Uh, I had to get really close with the power washer to get the moss and the dirt to come off. Uh, And, you know, 10 minutes went to 20, went to 30, went to 40, went to an hour, went to 90 minutes. And it became clear that my plan of a quick clean for our deck was not going to be enough. And as I sprayed off the moss and the dirt, uh, it kind of went everywhere. Uh, Some of it went down, as you would expect, but because of the power of the water, some of it went up and, you know, more and more I had to expand the radius, the area that I was cleaning. My plan to do a quick cleaning didn't work out. It didn't go as I expected. Uh, the, the the moss and the dirt in the deck needed more of my time, more of my energy than I was willing to give. And perhaps as we come to the book of Habakkuk, we can identify with that sense of uh, our plan uh, and how we think our plan will work. And I think Habakkuk had an idea of what the nation of Israel needed. Uh, Habakkuk had a, a vision of what he was hoping God would do to restore the right worship of God, to restore uh, the hearts of the people being focused on God, to eliminate idol worship. Habakkuk had a plan, and he had some complaints that he wanted to voice to the Lord. Uh, And uh, he wanted to know, Lord, why aren't you acting? Why aren't you carrying out, you know, what I think would be a great plan? Why don't you do this, Lord? And I think that uh, God, being omnipotent, being all-knowing, God has visibility into the hearts of people, into the hearts of the nations. God knows what is going on. Habakkuk was finite like I was with my deck. Uh, God knew that dealing with the problem of sin and idolatry uh, and hearts that were, that were hardened and away from God was going to need something much bigger, much more complicated, and much harder than what Habakkuk had in mind to merely restore 
the nation of Israel. So let's take a look at this book. We're going to be uh, looking at Habakkuk in two parts tonight. Habakkuk has two complaints that he makes uh, that go through the first and second chapter. We're going to look at those together, and then we're going to look at chapter three, which is really a psalm or a song or a prayer that Habakkuk sings to the Lord, having heard God respond to his two complaints. So let's take a look at Habakkuk chapter one. First of all, verse one, chapter one, we don't know a whole lot about the prophet Habakkuk. We, uh, and I don't know the right way to say his name, so I might say it interchangeably tonight, so just know that I'm talking about the same guy, Habakkuk or Habakkuk. Whatever one it is, drop it into the comment if you know the right way to say it. But we don't know much about him. The only time that his names appear in the Bible is uh, in this book. Uh, what we do know is that it seemed that he was operating as a prophet before the nation of Babylon came and overthrew the southern kingdom uh, centered in the city of Jerusalem. So he was probably a contemporary of Jeremiah. He may have been operating at the end of Josiah's reign uh, up to the time of Zedekiah, but we don't know for sure. But we do know that Habakkuk had a complaint that he brought to the Lord, and we can see this in verses 2 through 4. I'll just read that for you. This is Habakkuk's complaint. O Lord, how long shall I cry for help and you will not hear? Or cry to you violence, and you will not save. Why do you make me see iniquity, and why do you look idly at what is wrong? Destruction and violence are before me, strife and contention arise, so the law is paralyzed and justice never goes forth. For the wicked surround the righteous, so justice goes forth perverted." So I, I, I think that Habakkuk was looking at the state of things in the nation of Israel. He was seeing the failures of the people to follow God. He was seeing the consequences and the results of idolatry. He was seeing the, the violence done to people who were marginalized and, and oppressed in that society. And Habakkuk wanted to know, God, where are you? How come I can see the problem? But you can't. Lord, why have you done nothing to address the problem of injustice, the problem of failed leadership, the problem of idolatry in the land, in the nation of Israel, Lord? Why have you done nothing? The Lord answers Habakkuk, beginning in verse 5. I'll read just a bit of it. Look among the nations and see, wonder and be astounded, for I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told. And the Lord goes on to explain what he's doing, and namely he is raising up the nation of the Chaldeans, who we'll, we also know as being the Babylonians. Uh, the Chaldeans and the Babylonians, uh, they're, they're, you know, we'll consider them the same people for the purpose of this conversation. So God has been working. God is raising up a new nation, uh, a new kingdom, a new people, to come and deal with the problems of injustice and violence in the land of Israel. Uh, the, the, it seems that the, the Babylonians will be a unique people. They're described uh, in this vision. Their horses are swifter than lep- leopards. They're fierce. They, uh, one of the things we know from history is that the way that they would capture fortified cities was to create siege ramps by piling up earth. Look at verse 10. 
Uh, at kings they scoff, at rulers they laugh. They laugh at every fortress, for they pile up earth and take it. So we have a description almost that the Lord gives of the nation as 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 we know that they, they use this strategy of building siege ramps to be able to get over the walls of captured cities. So in response to that first answer that God gives to Habakkuk's complaint, Habakkuk comes with a second complaint, and we see God give a second answer. And this happens beginning in verse 12 and then continuing through the end of chapter 2, which is in verse 20. This is the complaint that Habakkuk has. He begins by saying, Are you not from everlasting, O Lord my God, my Holy One? We shall not die, O Lord. You have ordained them as judgment, and you, O Rock, have established them for reproof. Habakkuk's concern as we read through this seems to to essentially be asking, God, do you really want to use a foreign nation, a godless nation, a nation that is less holy than the nation of Israel to bring about your justice. Uh, there's that illustration that that uh, Habakkuk talks about. You make mankind like the fish of the sea, like crawling things that have no ruler. Uh, there's the idea that uh, 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 in verse 13, uh, why do you look idly at traitors and remain silent when the wicked swallows up the man more righteous than he? This is the implication is that uh, God is using a foreign nation to bring about judgment uh, on the land of Israel. And Habakkuk's like, are you really sure that you want to do that, Lord? Is that really going to be the way that you want to bring this about? Uh, and God indicates as we look at his response Uh, to this beginning in chapter 2 verse 2 and the Lord answered me and we're going to see God's answer as we take a look at this Uh, but but essentially God's answer is yes this is my plan this is the way that I'm going to to deal with it but don't worry Habakkuk because I have a plan of judgment not just for the nation of Israel but also for the Babylonians uh, we can see that uh, there is a promise that God says, uh, wait, uh, for I will surely accomplish it. Let's, let me read just a little bit of this to get the flavor of God's answer to Habakkuk. Write the vision, make it plain on tablets, so he may run who reads it. For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. And and so God is saying that, you know, yes, I understand uh, that that the the Chaldeans are not a perfect people. And, And God goes on to explain, but, you know, before the nation of Babylon had really arisen potentially and become known uh, for the the great conquering army, God has five woes that he speaks about the way that the Chaldeans would carry themselves off as a conquering people. And so you can see, uh, beginning in verse 6, there's a series of woes that are spoken. Uh, Woe to him who reaps what is not his own. Verse 9, woe to him who gets evil gain for his house. Uh, verse 12, woe to him who builds a town with blood and founds a city on iniquity. Verse 15, woe to him who makes his neighbors drink. You pour out your wrath and make them drunk. Uh, and then we see another woe that is spoken in verse 19. I think I got them all. Uh, woe to him who says to a wooden thing, awake, 
and to a silent stone arise. So God understands the state of the Chaldean people. God also understands the state of the nation of Israel. And I think the point that God is making to Habakkuk is that God is going to pour out his judgment, not just on the nation of Israel, but also onto the Chaldean people as well, the nation of Babylon. The principle for this first two chapters is that God will judge the nations. God will judge the nations. Now, I've been walking onto my mossy deck for at least the last year, right? My mossy and dirty deck. I've, my eyes have seen it. I've looked upon it. But even though I had seen it, I didn't understand the magnitude of the effort that would be required to undo and resolve the problem. Uh, I think by looking at the woes, we can, we can understand that God saw and understood the problems, not only in Israel, but also in Babylon. Uh, God was able to speak about the woes of the Babylonian nation potentially before they existed. God knew what was going to be involved in bringing justice to this people. Uh, perhaps you can you can think in your own life a time when maybe God has missed uh, an injustice that was done to you, something that God overlooked, some way that you were wronged, some slight that you experienced, maybe something that was directed specifically at your faith in Christ, the work that you have done as one of God's followers, and, and you were abused, you were ridiculed, you were uh, overlooked, you were made fun of, whatever it is, there's an injustice perhaps that you're saying, God missed it. I think as we look at Habakkuk's prophecy, we can have a level of confidence that God knows. God knows the things that happen to his people. God knows what is in the hearts of not only his people, in this section, we would say it's the nation of Israel, the nation of Judah, but God also knows what's in the hearts of all of the nations, the nation, in this case, of Babylon. Uh, God is aware of the things that are, the slights that have been done to you by others. And unfortunately, God is also aware of the slights that we have done to other people. I think one of the things that Habakkuk could not see is the way that God was already working to bring about the problems of his first complaint. And perhaps uh, in your life or in my life, there are ways that God is already working to bring justice uh, to places of injustice in your life or in my life. One of the things that God said to Habakkuk was, hey, even if I told you what I'm about to do, you're still going to be surprised at the way this is carried off. Uh, And I think one thing that I like to think about is how might God surprise me? What are some ways that God could work or accomplish uh, restoration uh, or, or resolving injustices in my life that just simply are just nothing I could possibly imagine? What are some of the ways that God might surprise me with the way that he is going to resolve Uh, injustice and show mercy to me, and how might be some ways that God would do that for you. As we go into chapter 3, we're going to see uh, Habakkuk offer a prayer, 
and we're going to see some words in here that remind us of the Psalms. One of them is uh, Shigionoth. I, I don't know if that, that it, it's a, maybe that was a popular song of the day. And so this was a song that would be sung to the tune of Shigionoth, that, that great pop song that everybody knew. Uh, one of the other words that we're going to see in here that reminds us of the Psalms is the, is the phrase Selah. Uh, we don't know exactly what that word means, but we think it's a musical term. And so I, I think of this section as almost being a psalm of Habakkuk, uh, a psalm that Habakkuk wrote after God had responded to him and responded to his two complaints, after God had revealed his plan to show justice uh, to not only the nation of Israel, but also to the Babylonians, Habakkuk was in a place where he was ready to respond to God. And I think that as we look at this prayer, uh, it will, we can sort of go on that journey that Habakkuk is on as he has been encountering the Lord. When he begins this uh, prayer in verse 2 of chapter 3, he says, O Lord, I have heard the report of you and your work. O Lord, do I fear. Uh, and so as we, as we think of this, Habakkuk is remembering things that God has done. And if we, there, there's probably a lot more references in this of, of things that God has done in the history of the nation of Israel. I'll share a few of them that I came across, uh, that I think are references to things that God has done in the past history of Israel. First of all, verse 3, God came from Teman and the Holy One from Mount Paran. Uh, Teman is uh, the, the south uh, and the Holy One from Mount Paran. This could be a reference to God giving the law to the nation of Israel at Mount Sinai. Certainly, uh, as we move on into verse 4, his brightness was like the light, rays flashed from his hand, and there he veiled his power. Uh, that's a sense of like thunder and lightning, uh, potentially, which were present in God's revelation of the law to the people of Israel at Mount Sinai. Uh, before him, verse 5, went pestilence and plagues followed at his heels, possibly a reference to the plagues that God poured out onto the people of Egypt as a part of the Exodus. Uh, verse 7, I saw the tents of Cushan in affliction. The curtains in the land of Midian did tremble. Uh, the Midianites were a nation that was defeated during the time of the judges by the judge Gideon. Perhaps a reference there to Gideon. As we go down to uh, verse 11, the sun and the moon stood still in their place. Uh, potentially a situation when Moses had to hold his hands up. Uh, and uh, I believe that in that during that jo- battle that Joshua fought, the sun and the moon stayed still, or the sun stayed still to allow uh, the battle uh, to be fought for longer than a, a ten or twelve hour day. Uh, other references are probably present in here as well. As you look at this, and as you, if you're reminded of something else that happened in the history of the nation of Israel. Uh, that's what Habakkuk is doing in this song, in this poetic, uh, this, in this poem that he's written, in this prayer that he's written. He is remembering the things that God has done for the nation of Israel in history past. And what that has done is that has given Habakkuk confidence in what God will do. And we see this beginning in verse 17. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. 
I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on high places. And so, this reflection that Habakkuk has had on uh, the way that God has provided and cared for the nation of Israel in the past has given him confidence for what God is going to do in the future, even though Habakkuk may not understand when it will happen or how it will happen. Um, God did have, a, I think the principle for this, for this prayer is that God will show mercy to the nations uh, and to his people. God will show mercy to the nations and his people, his nation. You know, God definitely had a plan of judgment. We, we learned that for the Babylonians, but just looking back at you know, Habakkuk uh, 2. But God also had a plan of mercy for the uh, Babylonians as well. God was actively working in the life of King Nebuchadnezzar and the people in the land of Babylon. For those of you who are familiar with the book of Daniel, Daniel was one of uh, the people that were carried off eventually by the Babylonians, and Daniel was a prophet who interpreted the dreams of Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, He helped protect uh, young men. Uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were people that hung out with Daniel. Uh, Also, we know that, that ultimately God dealt with King Nebuchadnezzar and his pride by essentially having a period of time where Nebuchadnezzar was crazy, living out in the field as a wide beast with dew upon his back. But here's where Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, ended up at the end of his life from Daniel chapter 4. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven, for all his works are right, and all his ways are just, and those who walk in pride he is able to humble." Nebuchadnezzar had, uh, through some of the judgment that God poured out onto the nation of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar had come to a right perspective on who God was and who God is. Uh, And so even though God has judgment planned for the nations, God has mercy planned for the nations as well. Uh, To see a foreign king who had originally stood opposed to God now honor God uh, is truly a remarkable way of God's mercy being poured out onto the nations. Perhaps you've experienced this in your life or in your story or in your church. Sometimes God's judgment, hard things are poured out on God's people. And, and, and yes, there are, there are consequences and there are things that are hard to deal with in those times. But in those moments of difficulty, in those moments of trial, those are oftentimes the times Uh, the moments when God pours out his mercy on his people as well. And that was certainly true for Nebuchadnezzar as he uh, experienced and interacted with God after the fall of Jerusalem. What are some ways that potentially you've experienced this in your own life as well? Times when God has allowed hardship uh, to come in. And in those moments of hardship, in those moments potentially of God's judgment, consequences of sin, consequences of things that you've done in opposition to God, uh, as you've experienced some of those consequences, how has God poured out mercy into your life? I know that that has happened in my life as well. One of the things that we learn from the New Testament is that God's ultimate plan was not merely to just pour out justice and condemn the world. Uh, The Gospel of John tells us that for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, 
but in order that the world might be saved through him. So again, uh, God's plan is to pour out justice onto the nation. God is a holy God, and he must deal with the sin uh, of the nations. But God has made a way for his people and all of the nations to be able to experience his mercy, and that mercy is available through Jesus Christ and the blood that he shed on the cross. So the question, friends, uh, God's justice, God's judgment is real. God has a plan to judge the nations. God has a plan to judge the United States. God has a plan to judge Canada and Mexico and all the other countries that you can think of. Uh, The question for you and I is, are we willing to experience the mercy that God has for his people through the shed blood uh, and the resurrected Jesus Christ? With that, let me pray. Father, thank you that um, your judgment and your mercy are very real and that we have the opportunity to experience your mercy through Christ. Lord, I pray that as we look at uh, the book of Habakkuk uh, and as we wind down our study of the kingdom divided, that you would continue to reveal uh, the love and the mercy that you intend to share with the world through Jesus. Pray all this in your name. Amen. Thanks, everybody. Have a great week.